Voice at CES is an official event within the greater CES program where the world's top brand leaders will share insights about how they are engaging customers through voice-enabled devices in our homes, cars, hotels, and more. To learn more about how you can be a sponsor, speaker, or attend Voice at CES, visit voicesummit.ai slash CES. That's voicesummit.ai slash CES. As brands expand their experiences into voice, it's important that they create voice experiences that are both useful and usable so they deliver value to their intended audiences. Today on the podcast, you'll hear co-founder of Pragmatic Digital, Scott Westwater, talk about his four-step process and the importance of discovery when creating a voice experience. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your co-host, Carrie Roberts. And today I have on the co-founder and lead voice strategist of Pragmatic Digital, Scott Westwater. Welcome, Scott. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Carrie. So for those that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Yeah, sure. Uh, so as Carrie said, my name is Scott Westwater. I'm the co-founder and lead strategist for Pragmatic which is actually a consultancy that my wife and I uh, co-founded about a year ago. And really what we focus on is the upfront part of a project. So whether it's voice or you know traditional web apps, uh, things like that, we really focus on understanding uh, what your audience needs are, what the business objectives are, and try to figure out where those two intersect so we can actually create useful and usable experiences for your audience. And so we wanted to do something a little different today on the podcast and provide some very actionable educational steps that you, the listener, can take to help with your voice strategy. So today, Scott is going to take us through his four-step process his company uses to help businesses create a voice experience. But before we get into those steps, Scott, can you talk about why the discovery process is so important? Well... I would say, especially now in voice, given that it's such early days, discovery is incredibly critical. We don't have best practices that we can rely on like we do on the website. And so really, it's critical for us to understand what our audience is trying to achieve and where voice actually would fit into that. So it's really not a let's pull an idea out of the air. Let's actually look at the audience that we're serving and figure out what are they trying to achieve? What questions do they have? What tasks are they trying to complete? And really, once we understand that, it's then what does the business want to achieve? What are we trying to do? Is it more about acquisition? Is it more about retention when you start to think about the different paths to purchase and things like that? So it's really critical to understand those different factors before you actually start writing your scripts and writing your conversation flows. Because if you don't, Quite frankly, you could create an experience that either your audience doesn't want or doesn't work for what they're trying to do. Yeah. And as we begin this four-step process, can you talk a little bit about why you and Susan developed this? Well, quite frankly, it was born out of a need to educate clients. And so a lot of our clients asked, hey, you know, do you have any sort of process? You know, A lot of times when you're dealing with bigger brands, they want to understand that there's actually a process and a methodology in place. So really what we did is we looked at our past 20 plus years of experience in both traditional and digital projects and really came up with a framework that we can repeat pretty easily 
um, to understand, you know, here's the discovery phase and here's all the different pieces that are entailed within it. Here's the design and development phase and here's all the different pieces you want to do. You know, here's the launch phase and what you want to do there and making sure you're promoting your stuff. And then the final, you know, the analysis and iteration part, really just so people understand, here's the different paths that we have to go through to create a full experience. And so we created that and I can't tell you how many times we showed that and people just kind of exhale and they're just like, oh, okay, so this is something that I can do. Because the other part of it is when you look at it um, and we can actually share a link if you'd like um, to the just framework itself, it's very similar to a website or an app project plan, but it also brings a lot of things from audio and video production into the fold as well. So. When you show something like that to a brand manager, let's say, um, they're like, oh, I know how to do websites. Oh, I know how to do video. So they're a lot more at ease and it's not something that they're going to have to relearn a whole new process that they're going to have to go through. Yeah. And you and I were talking at Voice Summit this past July about there's so many people excited about voice, but the, the question a lot of people have is, well, what do I do? How do I start? What is the next step? Yep. How do I get to be a part of this? And that's why we have you on here today. So let's start with the first step of the process, which is discover. What does that mean? What does that look like? And what's kind of the things that you're taking your client through as they do that step? So we've created uh, a, a framework um, that we're calling the voice experience framework. And Susan's actually going to be talking about that uh, pretty uh, extensively tomorrow when you chat with her. But really the idea is we talk to our stakeholders. So they could be the direct clients, they could be all the people involved around say a project. And we really wanna understand what they're trying to achieve, what their metrics of success look like, what KPIs we wanna establish up front so we can actually pull that all the way through the project. So once we have an idea of who their target audience is, you know, what they're trying to achieve with whatever the solution is, then we're actually gonna go out and talk to those people and really find out from an audience perspective, what are your challenges? What are you trying to achieve? What questions do you have? And it doesn't necessarily have to be directly tied to a product or service. It could be, you know, kind of the ecosystem around that. So really what we're trying to suss out there is what is the language that they use? What are the questions? How are they actually asking for this information? And once we have all that information, then we kind of go back to the office and figure out, all right, so this is what the business is trying to achieve. Here's what we heard from your audience. What do we have from a content standpoint that can actually fulfill these needs without a lot of rewrite or a lot of optimization? So we look at that and then we identify what we can re reuse or optimize from the existing content pool. And then also look at um, where the gaps are and really where we can add more content or add some new things to fill what the audience is looking for. So I think another really important thing for a lot of the listeners to understand is a lot of these brands have years, if not decades of content that they've created. And so the prospect of creating all new content is really a daunting task for them. So it's incredibly important to look through what already exists. And it could be video, it could be audio, it could be podcast, it could be whatever. But there are certainly ways we can identify and leverage some of that content versus starting all out again. Um, so once we identify all that, we come up with a roadmap, a feature roadmap, content roadmap. Uh, we prioritize you know, whatever we're trying to achieve. And then we actually have a kind of a fully baked strategy plan uh, for them to roll forward with. So really, 
at the end of the day, we're trying to identify all the knowns and unknowns up front. So there's less learning along the way. Um, and there's a lot less surprises along the way as well. So as we go into step two, which is design and develop, and this may be a question for in between step one and step two, Mm -hmm. if a a company has obviously a lot of content, like you said, in a variety of forms, whether it's video, podcasting, blogs, whatever it is, can you maybe give us an example of how you would design and develop something based on a content piece they've already had that would be useful within a voice experience? So really what you want to look at, and again, this is going into the voice experience framework, but the, the piece that Susan created actually goes through each step of the purchase journey. So whether it's awareness, consideration, purchase, retention, whatever. And we like to look at each one of those as individual opportunities for voice experiences. So we could create something that is a standalone acquisition tool. We could create something that is a standalone um, retention tool, let's say. So once you've kind of identified whatever the business objective is and what you're trying to actually achieve with the solution, you want to then go through the content and say, all right, so what do we have and what can we possibly either repurpose, reuse, optimize for this new space? So there is a fair amount of content strategy work where you would basically go in and do an inventory and audit. Um, So you kind of look through everything, whether it's video, whether it's uh, like I said, audio content, written content, PDFs, really anything. And, and it's shocking when you start getting into that world, how much content is squirreled away in various corners of an organization. But it's critical to actually go through and identify that content because quite frankly, uh, there's probably a lot of good information that's there. But because of people moving jobs and changing in and out of an organization, you don't necessarily know where all that content is. So rather than rewriting everything, this is a great way to leverage stuff that already exists. And so it could be, you know, answering frequently asked questions about um, customer support issues. And so, you know, then you can look through your customer support logs. You can talk to people in the customer care group to identify what are the common questions, what content they already have that actually can fulfill what people are looking for, and then actually create a voice experience around that. Yeah. And I think it's great you're mentioning that because I think people think of voice and they think, oh my gosh, I have to do something completely new. But what you're saying is we can pull from what we already have and just do it a little bit differently. So as you go into design and develop, what does that look like and entail? So we really see the design and development process is A, iterative and B, a lot of overlap. So rather than a more traditional, say, website project where you would say, okay, we're going to design the mock-ups, we're going to hand them over to the developers, they're going to go through and build it out, and then we're going to go back and forth. It's really taking a more agile or um, lean approach to things and really identifying, here's the core team, here's the decision makers, we're going to go through and iterate on this one specific feature and really go through and script out the story flow, um, have the dialogue go back and forth, have people do cold reads and see if it even feels like it's something that makes sense before you actually even get into coding um, any of this stuff. But really the goal is to create something as a team versus as desperate silos uh, where you actually have to go through and you know throw things over the wall and just hope that it actually functions the way uh, that you intend. So we've learned a lot from Agile. We've learned a lot from how things work on the web and in apps. And really, we see a ton of value in cross-pollination and collaboration between disciplines. So that's really where 
uh, kind of the rubber hits the road and it's, you know, you've taken all of that front discovery and all that learning, that knowledge transfer has then gone into the design and development teams and they're actually the ones that are actually executing against whatever the overall strategy is. Yeah, I like that you're saying too that uh, an important part of the process for voice is before you even code it or develop it is actually kind of testing it out in person, meaning maybe you have two people doing the voice skill and the other person being the real person and having the conversation to see if that makes sense. Can you talk a little bit more about that type of process? Yeah, I, there's so many techniques, um, you know, from user experience and, and I'm a UX guy by trade. So, you know, there's a lot of techniques that we have in our kind of toolkit that we've been doing on the web. So whether it's Wizard of Oz style user testing or, you know, the style of interviews that we do or whatever. But the idea is you could actually write a script and there's a, a clear difference between the written word and someone actually speaking it. So what you want to do is actually have someone do a cold read and actually practice the dialogue and say, does this feel natural? Does this feel like it's something that would be part of a normal conversation? Or is this slightly awkward because while it might make sense for the written word, when it's spoken, it actually doesn't feel right. So, you know, there, there is a fair amount of quote unquote test and learn. So, you know, identify, does this feel right? Does this make sense? Is this on brand? Does this actually fit our brand tone? Um, you know, one of the other things that as you start getting into voice, you quickly realize voice and tone is a real thing. And advertising, we always talked about it. It was more about word choice and the feeling. But here it's truly, you know, what is the performance of the content? What is the language that's being used? What is the... Uh, the, the accent, quite frankly, is it American, is it UK, English, whatever. But these are all considerations that you can actually start to work out in the design process. And by doing that cold read, does it actually feel like your brand? And that's ultimately what you're trying to suss out before you even start coding. Now, if you're working with a company and maybe they're international, mm -hmm. what would you suggest as far as like a voice overall. So for example, you know, there are, even in English, right, there are certain words that are said in the UK that have different meaning than they do in the US. How do you kind of decide which accent to use or which type of language to use if you're a company that is more than just in one location? That's a great question. And I know that's something that a lot of organizations struggle with. I think it ultimately goes back to your brand and your brand persona. What type of performer most personifies that. So, you know, here in the States, um, especially amongst advertisers, we always joke that if it's an accent, everyone loves it. So it could be an Australian accent or UK accent, whatever. But people love that style of uh, performance. And when you look at like luxury car brands, you certainly see that come through. So it's usually, you know, a, a very posh, um, English accent that you hear talking about the Jaguar or whatever. But ultimately, it comes down to what's best for your brand, what voice best fits your brand's persona. And quite honestly, uh, especially with the larger organizations, they've probably done some amount of the sonic branding work already. So rather than creating this as a standalone uh, siloed experience, it's better to actually look at this as part of the entire brand ecosystem so if they've already established, you know, in commercials, in radio, whatever the case might be, what that already sounds like, 
rather than reinventing the wheel, why not borrow from what you've already established? Now, as we go through this process, our third step is the launch phase. Can you talk about what that entails? This is such a critical piece, and there's actually been some banter on Twitter between Kane Sims, Susan, uh, James Poulter, and really the idea of promoting your skill or action isn't really up to Amazon or Google or Apple, you know, if it was an app, it's really up to you. And so, you know, in the early days of the web, we used to go through and put website URLs on everything. So whether it was a physical package, business cards, at the end of a commercial, even, you know, it would be, you know, visit us at www.whatever. It's literally what we're talking about here is the exact same thing. So you need to create a promotional plan when you actually have a skill or action that's ready to launch so that you can actually start to condition your audience to know, oh, I'm going to go to Alexa, I'm going to ask for X. Um, I'm going to go to Google Home, I'm going to say, hey, Google, why? And so the idea is use your channels, so earn, earn, and paid, to actually drive traffic to this new experience. And we know from some of the work we've done on the Alexa side, traffic is actually one of the ranking factors for um, recommendations of a skill. So if you have more people coming to it, if you have people coming back to your experience, that's an indicator that it's actually something that's useful for your audience. And so that's something the algorithm sees and goes, oh, well, if they already have an answer uh, to someone's question, this might be a credible source of information. So it's a way you can start to get more people to use it. But it's the one thing as technologists and as developers, we always forget that once we build it, it's not necessarily that they're going to come. So really what you want to do is create a holistic plan, whether it's leveraging your email your social channels, whatever you have at your disposal as the brand, leverage all those things you're already using to promote to your audience versus um, you know, solely going with paid ads or solely going with social. It's, it's really kind of a holistic um, brand promotion experience. Yeah, I think it's important you mentioned that. We've been talking a lot about that on this podcast recently. Um, you know, we had Larry Rosen from Edison Research talking about that too. You know, he does all this research on, on what's going on. But at the same time, yes, you have to promote your skill, just like you've had to promote your business or anything else. And so having that branding and marketing plan in place helps a lot with the launch. Once we have launched it, our final step, step four, is to optimize. What does that mean? This is my favorite part because this is really where you learn what you did and didn't do well. So the idea is you're going to look at your analytics. You're potentially even going to go through and do some user testing, you know, to understand where those sharp edges are, what you maybe forgot when you built the experience, um, some paths that you didn't consider, um, you know, when you created it, but also became very apparent once it was in the wild. So what you want to do is look at how people are using it, the language that they're actually using when they ask a question, let's say, and start to evolve the experience. So this is really where you can take all of those learnings, especially if you're familiar with lean or agile process, this is where you start to get that user feedback from your audience and start to iterate your experience. Um, it's really no different here. So um, maybe we start small, we focus on two things really we do really well, we find some of the additional things that we maybe forgot or didn't consider as part of the experience. Um, we fix those, but then we start to add new features. So I think it's also incredibly important to not only create a really good, solid, um, out of the gate experience for people, 
but it's also important to have kind of that ongoing plan so that you can add new features, especially as Amazon and Google and even Samsung roll out new features for the developers. It's really important to have kind of a roadmap and a plan for how you're going to layer those things in versus trying to create a big experience up front. Um, one of the other big conversations that's happening right now is the idea of single uh, use experiences versus kind of a, let's say, a master experience. So if you think about it from a website terms, it's like microsites versus kind of a main brand website. I think you can actually start with kind of that microsite approach and start really small with your experience. But over time, rather than pushing people to 30 different experiences to uh, solve their various problems, it's actually going to make more sense to drive them to one holistic experience. So this is something, again, that we experienced on the web where we started with microsites and I mean, there were things that I worked on that had 30 different web experiences. When you look at what you're doing, you're actually spreading your traffic across way too many platforms. It's confusing your audience. So really, if you have this kind of longer term vision in place, you can start to start with one or two things, onboard people so they understand how to use those core features, and then start layering new things on. That's going to actually create a better overall experience for not only your audience, but also for your brand. Where does a developer or a business or whomever is working on this get the research and the feedback to know what to optimize? Well, there's, you know, the internal dashboard, analytics dashboards that you get. Um, so you can go through and pull the data internally just to see what language people are using, how they're using it, you know, time, time quote unquote, time and skill. And this is actually a really fun conversation because a lot of these KPIs that we take for granted on the web haven't actually been established yet in voice. So... I think as we start to mature, as we start to identify what the businesses are trying to achieve, then we're going to start to look at what are the metrics that we can actually track to actually see if we're you know, delivering on those things. So beyond that, I mean, in-person feedback, especially if you're able to do um, either live user testing or remote user testing to get that feedback, that's going to be a critical way to um, suss that information out as well. So I think there's a host of things you can do. Um, I also am a firm believer that if you skip the discovery process, this is where you absolutely have to spend a lot of your time. Otherwise, you're going to continue to build something that your audience probably doesn't want. So the goal would be to focus on what they do want up front and then continue to evolve things over time. And how often should a business be optimizing? Is this something that they're constantly doing every few months? Or what is your suggestion on that? I mean, quite honestly, we don't know what the frequency uh, quotient is yet. So we do know that fresh content in voice experiences is also looked upon favorably by the algorithms. Um, I've not seen anyone come out and say it's a monthly basis or it's, you know, a quarterly basis or whatever. But we do know that, you know, that is one of the factors that Google and Amazon both consider as part of uh, your overall ranking factors for content. So I think really what this starts to get into is it's time to experiment. Let's see, you know, do it quarterly, see what happens. Do it every two months, see what happens. Do it every month, see what happens. Um, you know, there's some things we can borrow from on the web, especially when it comes to uh, SEO best practices that we can start as a baseline and start applying here and see what happens. But the, the short answer is we just don't know what we don't know at this point. 
So our next episode, we'll be discussing part two of all of this process, which is really about creating a useful and usable framework for your voice experience, which will be with Scott's co-founder and lovely wife, Susan. But if people want to learn more about this four-step process, again, discover, design and develop, launch and optimize, where can they learn more about it and about yourself and your company? Two of the best places you can find me are on Twitter and LinkedIn. On Twitter, I'm at Scott with one T, Westwater, all one word. And then on LinkedIn, uh, I think it's in slash Scott Westwater. Um, we also have a Alexa skill and Google action called voice facts. So if you have any questions about voice strategy um, and really are, are curious on our perspective on things like that, if you say Alexa launch voice facts, you can ask, ask questions there. Perfect. Thank you so much, Scott, for providing us with this process and this level of education. We greatly appreciate it. And we uh, look forward to talking to your co-founder on our next episode. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Gary. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at M-O-D-E-V.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you. And we look forward to chatting with you next week.